0: Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. This is episode number two hundred and sixty. My name is Carlos Alvarez, and I'll be your host for this show. Um, I hope everybody listening to this show had an unforgettable New Year celebration and brought two thousand twenty three brought in two thousand twenty three with the best of intentions. Um, on today's episode, we have Shannon Peters, the CFO of Lunchskins, a, a planet friendly and stylish alternative to disposable plastic bags. And for me, even more importantly, which is it's hard to top that. Uh, my kids' favorite lunch bags and the only lunch bags we have found that we can get them to enjoy eating vegetables out of. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Shannon.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's awesome.
0: In In today's episode, we're going to talk about, you know, like what works when scaling um, an environmentally friendly brand or, or any brand really, but maybe some specific stuffs stuff as it comes to an environmentally friendly brand online and, and maybe how you can get Amazon and your Shopify store to complement each other, or maybe not be at odds, or if that's a doable thing, like maybe we could touch on some of that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I know. I know. Lunchkin started in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Cut me off whenever I'm wrong. I, I I I was checking this stuff out, especially once I found out that I was going to have the opportunity to have you on the show, and and that my my kids are actually this will be the first time my kids are engaged with a product that I I have somebody from the team on the show. So
1: that's awesome.
0: I I know it started in two thousand eight. I that's around the time I started going full-time into, into my business. And it feels like an eternity. I know you're self-described on LinkedIn. This floored me because I, I had the CFO stereotype. I'm like, CFO, <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is going to be like pulling teeth on the contrary. Like this is, it says a deep knowledge of traditional, a deep knowledge of traditional banking and manufacturing processes with yeah. significant online business acumen, marrying those three together. That is a superpower. So like I'm, I am.
1: I'm Wonder Woman yeah. of, of manufacturing.
0: Woman. <laughs> yeah. CFO in manufacturing. I, I love this. So when did you join the Lunchskins team? Um, Lunchskins team. And what were you doing beforehand? And in your own words, what? how do you describe uh, what Lunchskins is to somebody listening to this who has not heard of them?
1: Yeah. So I joined Lunchkins in uh, 2014. I had initially retired. I was working for another quasi-sustainable company called Bucky. Um, They were the makers of the first travel neck pillows and inside was filled with, you know, organic buckwheat seed and whatnot. So I had sold that company and I was pretty much set to retire. And uh, I got a call from a recruiter and they were like, hey, we think you'd be a good fit for this. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm retired and I've never worked for an all-woman organization. And I it's very small and all of this other stuff. And they were like, well, I think you should check it out. And I met with um, which was three green moms. There were three moms at the time. And I met with them and I was like, okay, fine. I'm coming out of retirement. I love this. I love what you guys are doing. I think we can really kick this thing off Um, like any small business. They were struggling. They came out early, early on with all kinds of press and had the mentality of build it and they will come uh, put all their eggs in the, Target basket at the time with their reusable bags, and uh, you know things weren't doing so great. So I came on board with the acumen that I had had from Bucky, which was basically a company that was on life support and got it to a point where it was sold. And it's been a great ride ever since. And the product that we started out with is not the product that we're ending with, and it's not the product that's in all the doors and stores at this point. And it's it's pretty amazing. So that was my little. Um, my little journey and lunchkins is a sustainable food storage bag brand. We have still the reusable lunchkin bags. Um, we found that a lot of kiddos, and that's funny that you mentioned the kiddos, um, these bags are not cheap. You know, they're, they're not easy to make. They're not cheap. We found that a lot of kids were throwing them out and they wouldn't bring them back home. We also found that, um, mostly moms are preparing and packing the lunch and they were a little cumbersome to clean. So we put our heads around the kitchen table as it is, as we call it. And we came up with an idea to make a disposable, environmentally friendly, easy on the moms, easy. If the kid throws it out, it's going to be sustainable. It's not going to hurt the planet. And we really wanted to put more of our good footprint in the world and get rid of plastic. So it was a win-win. So that was a big switch for us. Uh, and that started in 2017. So um, we still do sell the reusable bags, but you know, everywhere right now in all the doors and stores are our, our disposable paper food storage bags. So we're loving it. Life is good.
0: Wow. Talk, talk about starting something that's like, that can truly change the, the world. You know, what comes to mind when I hear that is, is I don't know if it's too early in the day for me or what, but it's like <laughs> in, Instacart, at the, yeah. they just sent me this thing that said how many hours I saved, um, this year by yep. using Instacart versus me going to the grocery store. So it, it, it'd be cool. Or I don't know if you do have something that's saying like how many plastic bags are like not floating around in the ocean, killing stuff. Uh, because of lunch skins. Is there anything like that or have you ever put we something do. Together? Yeah.
1: So every year as part of our KPIs, we get together and we decide, you know, it's not just about how much we want to sell. It's about how much we want to save the planet. So, you know, while there is in every business, because we're not a not-for-profit and there is a profit establishment to the business, um, we have a sales goal, but in that sales goal is not just about the sales. It's about how many plastic bags are we going to remove from this earth this year? And right now, as of, the end of last year. And at the end of this year, we'll recalculate, you know, how far we've moved the needle, but it's 2.8 billion, um, straws. And I think it might even be 2.8 billion plastic bags and 2 million straws, plastic straws at this point. Cause we also brought in straws into the mix. So 2.8 billion plastic bags saved from this planet since inception of lunchkins, not a bad thing. Um, and we will continue to move the needle on that number.
0: What? Wow. I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around like what that looks, my mind goes to, everything goes to a container. It's like 2.8 billion bags. What is, how many containers is that? You know, like.
1: Oh oh my gosh. So just one. So just think of this, a delivery for a year of us, just having lunchkins on containers is 13 containers. So it would be thousands of containers of plastic baggies. um, And and how does it work? work. How does it
0: Yeah, it's so it's someone uses it, it's 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 disposable, what biodegradable it it, it turns back into the earth. Like what happens? So here's what we do.
1: So we've got a two lines. Um one of the lines is a glassine paper, which is the white bag with the sharks and the apples. Um, and that line is recyclable, and that's what it was meant to do. And it's basically Someone uses it, they can put it in the trash and they know it's not going to do any damage to end in a landfill. It's going to dispose of itself. It's going to be recycled or it's also biodegradable by its own form of being paper. Uh, There are just there's no wax. There's nothing. There's no soy. There's nothing in these products. Like, you know, if you buy some of the other bags that are competing with us, they have wax. Wax doesn't break down in the environment. So it just sits there while they claim to be recyclable. You're still going into a landfill and you still have a product that doesn't break down naturally so glassine in of itself is a naturally is a natural product that breaks down over time just like regular paper then we decided okay we want to get a little bit more into this we want to really earn our green stamp and that's when we developed the brown bags which are avocado right now in a chevron pattern and those bags are certified biodegradable So we went through a very long, very arduous certification process for those bags. They take them off into a laboratory for nine months and they basically put them through every possible component and test every little intricate piece from the glue on the bag to the ink to the paper itself and make sure that it's biodegradable with no harmful chemicals in it whatsoever. Um, So we have those two lines balancing each other. So whatever the consumer's flavor is, you know, we're not asking you to be an environmentalist or, or as the term, I hate a tree hugger. We're asking you to just do that one little thing, um, which has a big impact, either recycle or biodegrade or compost, whatever your thing is. That's, that's where we're at right now. And that's what our products do for the planet and for everybody using them.
0: I thought I was making an impact in my local community with a few things, but I'm not even going to mention those things now and comparing to like, (laughs) to that, like, how do you, how do you follow up with that? Nobody can follow that. What, what, Were you working with the, was the company working with the same factory um, when you came on or like, was that part of the, part of the big shift?
1: So that was part of the big shift. So what I do for Lunchkins, not only being the, the, I am not the atypical CFO, as you pointed out, I actually have a sense of humor, um, (laughs) whereas most of my uh, compadres and peers do not. Um, But I have the sense of humor and I have the manufacturing background and an operations background Years ago, I had started in operations before I made the switch into finance, because operations is very difficult. There's a lot of details to it. Um, It doesn't often come with sexy pay. And I did the whole Wall Street thing for a while with a sexy pay and then decided, you know what, Mm, let's do something else. Um, So my dream job was to work for a company like Lunchkins, women-owned, sustainable, doing good, putting things back into the environment um, instead of taking away from our planet. So that's kind of where this, this ended up um, for me. And you really can't follow it up because we had to go through an iteration of factories just to find a factory that met all of our criteria. It's very hard to source paper. I think everybody takes for granted um, the lack of paper in the United States and in the surrounding countries. Like it's very hard to source paper Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just about sourcing paper for us. It was about finding a factory that was into the same things socially responsible, environmentally responsible. And they had to check all the boxes and go through, you know, the major certification processes for even for us to take a look at them. So we had our fabric factory um, and then we elicited some help from a broker in 2017 who owned his own firm and I think since then has kind of just stopped working. Um, But introduced us to a large amount of factories and we whittled it down over time. And since then, we've changed factories three times um, just because we've grown. It wasn't because the factories weren't awesome. It was because they couldn't scale to meet our needs. Um, And we also, because we are manufacturing so much more at this point, you would think a bag would be easy to make. I can tell you it is not especially our patent pending um, Apple shark and green stripe bags, the glassine line, the recycle and sealable line. It is amazing how many factories do not want to touch that patent pending freshness seal on there. Like they just don't. So it was, it's really, really hard for us to find a factory that can machine that as opposed to a manual cut because they can't keep up with the capacity that we need. So it's a lot of fun um, to try to, you know, maintain the factory relationships and do everything, you know, maintain a sustainability part of our need with a factory. Um, we found a good factory. We've been with them. Um, I'm not gonna mention who they are, obviously, right, but we've been with them for a good four years now. And we have a great partnership and I'm I'm very happy with them.
0: Are you able to say the country they're based in?
1: Um, they are out of China. They are out okay. of China, they're made responsibly in China just this year. I decided that I don't think my life was complicated enough coming off of the COVID woes. You know, I think, (laughs) I I think I'm crazy. Um, But I decided I want, wanted to make that shift with our products to have more of a touch in the United States while there isn't any paper factories that have been able to price us where we need to be and or source our product and manufacture our product. We've, we've struck out. I decided that wasn't going to stop us. We needed to have some sort of footprint here. So only a portion of our product is coming out from overseas at this point. And then we are final assembly here in the United States. And we've been doing that since, oh, I think that started in the spring of this year. And that's really exciting for us to be able to say that because we were giving people jobs locally in the United States where, you know, I think that's very important and it's important to us. So we, we want to keep moving in that direction of being made in the United States. And right now we're not able to. So we're taking a small chunk out of that.
0: The, the, the manufacturing geek in me, like wants to just like be able to get two hours of your time and just talk about that process. <laughs> and it's not going to happen. So my mind's already like, how in the world do I convince this person to come back and just talk about like, podcast? You know I mean? let's do it right. Like, so, okay. Um, I, I want to get, I want, I want to get closer to, like, let's, we're going to get to anyone listening to this, right?
1: Yeah.
0: We're going to get to, you know, the e-commerce side of things in a second. Um, I, I really want to like set the field though, if you will, before we get there. And your company is also um, has quite a bit of, of certifications or, or, you know, I I'm on the subscribe and save clear as day on some of the listings on Amazon. It says uh, climate friendly. Um, I know your your company is uh, proudly woman owned, and you also have B Corp certification. Is there any more? And can you touch on what each one of them mean and why it's important to the company?
1: Yeah, so there are more. Um, I think that's become, I think I should be certification lady instead of CFO at this (laughs) point. Um,
0: Update your LinkedIn.
1: But exactly, gonna add more to that. Um, So we're FSC certified as well. And part of what I talked about before with regard to the paper, um, we don't wanna just remove resources from our planet. It's very important for us to be able to have a process with our paper that gives back to the environment and FSC certification allows us to do that. It is only, it's farmed paper. Um, They remove trees, they plant trees. It's a sustainable um, environmental process. It is very hard to get FSC certified. I Every year I have to sit through an eight-hour audit. And in January, I'll be sitting through our 2022 audit where they audit our business to make sure that we've complied with all parts of the FSC certification process. So that was the first one that we got. And that really moved the needle for us. Um, and that's what gave us our climate-friendly badge on Amazon because they recognize the FSC certification. Um the second certification for us was women owned that was easy. Um we want to celebrate the women in in the world and the glass ceilings that are shattered every day by the awesome things that women do running companies and we are women owned. Um so that's awesome that we can do that. And with that certification it's just proving ownership but the more important part of it is, is that I don't think a lot of companies that are women owned realize it actually does get you some perks. So for example, a lot of our distributors who distribute our products for us recognize us as woman owned, and they will give us um, perks like advertising dollars back, or, you know, maybe a store that we want to work with instead of paying a shelf fee, they'll say, hey, you guys are woman owned, that $20,000 shelf fee, you know, we're going to waive that. And those are things that are amazing. Um, And I think every company that's woman owned should be able to take advantage of those things. So that's really important to us as well. The other one, that the, la- the third one that we went after, um, and these were all, FSC was 2021, women-owned was 2020, and B, uh, the BPI certification was 2020, the end of 2021, basically 2022. And the B Corp is basically just saying that our products are certified um, biodegradable and compostable. It's kind of like the same process. They take our bags. I think I mentioned they take our bags and they test everything under the sun from the ink to the glue, to the paper, and they put it through six to nine months of a biodegradability process. They're testing the chemicals, all heavy metals testing, PFAs, um, anything that you can think of that would be harmful that can't be in your products if they're going to be compostable. So that certification was really important for us. Um, So the last one that we did that we just got this year and probably the hardest is the B Corp certification. And for us being a little tiny company to have that certification and actually score really well, I think they have a score out of a hundred and we're in the high eighties. So to be able to go through that and score as well as we did with, you know, we don't have a person that handles that or writes our policy and procedure to be B Corp certified, you know, that that's all on us doing, doing the good things that we do throughout The existence of lunchkins. And being B Corp basically is just, it's a high environmental standard to be certified. Um, It basically says everything that we do from the way we treat our employees to the way we source our product, to the way we treat our customers, to the way we treat the planet, um, we're doing good on this earth. And that basically gives us the B Corp certification. So they are involved in I think they read our employee handbook. I mean, it is a really intricate detailed process Um, again from employee to end user process review. So that was a really big deal for us. And it allows us to also play with the big boys um, like Ben and Jerry's or honest company or Patagonia. I mean, when you see a little brand like lunchkins in that mix, it's, it's kind of cool and it's a little surreal. So From that certification has come some really cool partnerships for us, whereas without that, I don't think we would have them. So I also handle the social media side of our business. And for example, of course,
0: of course, of course.
1: course. (laughs) Um, So Cabot Cheese came to us because they found out we were B Corp. They want to do perhaps if it works out some sort of collaboration in a store where we kind of support each other. And that's really cool because. We're not cabbage Cheese. We, we don't have that kind of level of distribution yet. We're getting there. But that B Corp certification gives us those inroads to be able to work with those bigger partners. So that's also very cool.
0: Oh, so you, you answered the next question I had, which was kind of like, you know, in my ignorance, I, I'm guilty of in the past, I'm like, oh, I want to start a, a watch brand with a, not a brand, like a, a line of watches with wooden bands. And let me just yeah. say that I'm giving back a dollar to whatever, and I'm planting a tree. But, you know, my motives were not that pure back then. I was a lot more ignorant and it was like, oh, if somebody sees this, it's going to increase my sales. Right. Um, and then I saw some people doing it and I'm like, why did you get the certificate? Like, couldn't you just plant the tree anyway? Right. Um, like, what, what's what's the advantage there? And I'm sure these things cost, I can't imagine that they're cheap.
1: No. No, they're not. Um, so, the advantage for us is being able to, we don't greenwash. And I think a lot of people that are buying apps nowadays and they're just saying, you know, hey, we give back. Well, that's great. We give back too. We have a give, give back mission partnership that we do every year where they get a portion of our web sales. It's not enough to have the certification, allows us to actually say and prove that we're not greenwashing. We're actually giving back and we're using resources that are. For the intent of having good done with our to our environment, so it is a way for us to actually solidify our our mantra, which is you know, let's give back to the planet um, and live a life less plastic, and it allows us to do that because otherwise, without certification, I can say anything. I don't want to do that. I want to be certified.
0: I would imagine that a lot of like cool licensing agreements would be open to you guys because like somebody wants to partner with someone like that 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 has those certifications.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so you know, it's interesting. A lot of our competitors don't, um, but they're really good at fooling consumers with the way they package. Um, You know, it's easy to say that you're recyclable, but it's a little bit different to say that you're certified compostable or certified um, facility compostable or any of those certifications. So it's easy to kind of make it look like you're, you're doing good. It's hard to actually do good and it's very costly to little companies like ours, but it's the sacrifice that we make to make this planet a better place.
0: Are you able to give rough numbers, like the for cost some, of the
1: certification?
0: I, yeah, somebody doing this, and they're uh, you know a yep. seven figure, or they're starting, or they're a seven figure gross Amazon seller brand, and this is something that they're passionate about as well. Yeah, is is it within reach? Like, what's the the financial cost associated? So
1: th- they're based on your income and your sales levels. For us, we are encroaching, we're, we're approaching $30,000 at this point a year in certification renewals. Um, you, you pay more out of the gate because there's more involved before you get your certification. And then after that, it's, it's auditing um, and things like that. And that's where your fees go up if they have to travel to a partner of yours, which they do. FSC, like I said, that's an eight-hour audit in January they will travel to our warehouse that is doing the final packaging of our products for us in the United States and make sure nothing is being um, combined that's not FSC certified and they will check that process. But Lunchkin in turn, Lunchkins pays for that auditing process. So it's about $30,000 a year. Okay.
0: So it's a win-win though. It's a win because that's what you're about and you want to help the environment. It's also a win because I'm sure you've looked at it at the end of the day that it makes do- it's it's good for the business as well. Like there's, yeah. ROI on that. If you're willing to go through the process and your product actually is good for the environment, then, then it's a win-win. Okay. Yeah.
1: And at the end of the day, Kirsten and I, who is, she's the CEO and founder, we can put our heads on our pillow and realize that we've done good stuff. And that's, that's the most important thing.
0: Uh, here, here's the the million dollar question. Amazon or Shopify? You can only pick one. Shopify. Really? Oh, yeah. this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah.
1: Shopify. This is going to be
0: really good. Talk to me. Like, can you defend that Like, in a few lines?
1: I can. So Amazon is great um, and it does poach from our retail business. It does. It's just what it is. However, our website, which is Shopify based, um, is our front porch. So when somebody comes to want to learn more about lunchkins or buy lunchkins um you know say albertson's grocery store wants to come in and they want to do business they're going to look at our website first they're going to look at shopify they're going to check everything out they're going to check out our retail prices that is the first thing that you see and that's our representation of lunchkins and amazon doesn't have a great reputation they started out as being the number one marketplace and i was all into amazon all into amazon we we have all the eggs in the Amazon basket. And then they started to become really unfriendly with fees. Um, They don't really support the the customer in the end. And they certainly don't support their, their merchants. Um, Whereas on the other side of it, I have a beautiful website that basically is brand awareness for us that the revenue from e-com may not be as much, but it's more important to our business just from the brand awareness and front porch standpoint.
0: So, well, obviously, we're not going to get into exact numbers, but you, you will say that the the between Shopify and Amazon, the the lion's share of revenues would be on the Amazon side. But mm-hmm. the importance to the brand, securing your future, yep. uh, external relationships, um, all that is possible with your Shopify or your website. In this case, yep. Shopify.
1: Yep, and if for whatever reason, Amazon keeps dinging its merchants, such as us, the way they are every year with these exorbitant fees. We're not going to stay on there forever. Um,
0: Got a lot of head nodding going on right now on their treadmills just, and their cars. Right forever. Now yeah. This.
1: So, you know, they, they better shape up because, you know, it's getting really interesting. And, I, and I'll throw this into there. It's not just Shopify versus Amazon. It's walmart.com. It's target.com. It's Instacart that you spoke about earlier. It's other ways and third-party sites that are equally competing with Amazon and have basically the same amount of users at this point that um, Amazon should be a little scared. So it allows us to use Amazon because that's your launching pad for these other sites. They want to know you're there. They want to know you can handle it. However, once you're on these other sites, I mean, I would think, well, I think I read something that Walmart almost almost superseded Amazon and e-com sales. So we're, we're, we're in on that big time. Um, it's not just Amazon anymore.
0: What uh, just, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I, I think omni-channel is important, especially a website mm-hmm. um, tra- trying to keep it focused. I think that's why I hadn't mentioned Walmart or a- yeah. any of these other ones, but on, do, do you have a, are you on Amazon? Because it's like, if I'm not somebody else is going to be reselling my stuff and I want to tell the story or is it like, if you could have prevented that from happening and nobody else could, it wouldn't exist for you right now. And it would just be your website and everything else.
1: 100%. If I didn't have to be on there because somebody would have jumped on in my stead, we, we wouldn't be on there. Um, All those dollars would be diverted to our, our own e-com because it does cannibalize e-com. So it's, it's, we are on there because it still is the number one marketplace um, we, and we have to be on there. But I wouldn't have started out there if we didn't have to be um, definitely and, and would hop off uh, gladly because it's it's a it's a we have a rep group that actually manages it for us at this point. It's, it's a beast uh, and a little company like ours, instead of dedicating a body to manage Amazon, we have a firm that manages Amazon. That's how much of a beast it is, so I would love we 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 keep feeding the beast because we have to, but at some point, that beast isn't going to be the beast that it was um and if it didn't have it it didn't start out that way and wasn't the number one ecom i we would just keep everything at shopify
0: just keep i it love there. It. i I think that's gonna be what I clip right here in our podcast, and that's gonna be like the little promo sizzle reel right there like that was good, awesome. <laughs> good. The, what what about? It does exist. It is the number one platform. So you want your story told by you on that platform. Yes. What, what sort of strategies have you come up with to make your your number one Shopify play well with Amazon? Like, do you use it for launches with each other? Like, how do they connect for you strategy? So
1: they don't really connect for us in that regard. Um, the way they connect is that we control the way our brand in an Amazon, they Amazon world they call it your brand catalog because we are owners of our brand. We didn't give it to anyone else. We don't allow third-party resellers to sell on Amazon. We have a policy against that. We control how our brand is represented on Amazon, which was, I think what you touched on earlier and, and totally dead on. If we didn't do that, we would have no control over our own products. They could be represented in any way. Um, so we represent them in a certain way and we make sure what's going on in Shopify with our images and our gifts and our JPEGs and everything, videos, that that same look and feel translates to Amazon because we're able to do that because we control that. Um, and that's super important for us. So while they don't really, you know, Amazon does steal our, our, E-com business, but they also complement each other because it's the brand look and feel that you that doesn't get lost. It translates from one to the other. And that's super important to have that brand integrity.
0: What, what about where a new product launch? Like would you would you have a totally different strategy for launching a product on your website, which I'm assuming is your email list and 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 yep. paid ads versus an Amazon launch? So
1: Amazon, you can't really you can launch with Amazon and you've got to throw a lot of advertising dollars because Amazon is really algorithm based. You're not going to get what you need out of a new launch on there. You're just not, no matter how many advertising dollars until you ratchet up the algorithm and your product becomes an Amazon choice, or you have so many reviews or you're sitting in a certain score are they don't care. So There's less focus on us to use that as a launch pad, though it is important for a soft launch where we do have some new products coming out this year. I did make sure they were on Amazon first and Walmart.com first, as well as a small little subset being sold on our website just to drive some interest. Amazon does have a pretty strong influencer um, base, which is interesting. And it's gotten more powerful over the past couple of years. So we hire influencers and work with a lot of influencers and a lot of them, we don't even have to pay. Like they just love our products and they're willing to do it for free, which is amazing. Um, uh, right. Right. Um, (laughs) you know, they just want to do it because you know, we're good, but So for Amazon, they have, you know, and it's pay to play, but they do have their own influencers and they have a spot where influencers can basically do a little story on you and they have like their own, what I would consider like a little page, almost like an Instagram feed. And we've done that, but you don't hit that algorithm. You're not getting anything. So out of the gate, I don't waste a lot of time or money on a new product launch. I just make sure it's there. Um, but Shopify is the place where it's tied into our email list, which is really extensive for a little small company like ours. It's tied into not only our email list, but our SMS messaging list. So when we're going to launch a campaign, Shopify is the place where we do it. Um, And then the other side of that is it all feeds into social media. So Shopify is mostly coordinating with our social media Um, and we're running campaigns to send people to and fro, depending on what we're doing. If we're doing a giveaway, we're sending them to Instagram. If we're going to launch the product and we're doing a campaign, we're going to send them back to the website to buy for for whatever, a little call to action. So I would say those are more in tune with each other and more of of a place where I would launch as opposed to using Amazon because it's really, really hard.
0: I love it. All of that was gold. I want to I want to clarify one of those things, just because if I don't, I, I foresee you, you used influencer and social media like and Amazon in the same sentence, and I'll yep. get crucified in my emails if I don't follow up with that. Like, what I'm assuming what you mean is the Amazon influencer program. So, an Amazon influencer has a dedicated page where they influence their stuff. It could be an Amazon Live Video, it could be their social media, like what, or, or they're driving a lot of traffic to it. So, that's one. Yep. And the other one, the social media like feed, I'm assuming that's the Amazon posts, uh, program. So there's like a lot of UGC content that gets posted on Amazon or is that something else?
1: So, so we have random influencers that come to us through social media, like literally are, they slide into our DMS. They're like, I love your product. So willing to pitch you on my Instagram feed, Facebook feed, you know, at, at this point, they're both, like, both basically the same thing. Um, would you be able to send me some product? Want to sample it? Want to give you guys some love. That's great. That's the whole social media side. Amazon has its own um, where I think an influencer can have a feed very similar to what you would have um, where they work with a lot of different Amazon a lot of different Amazon merchants and they'll pitch their products for them and do like these little unboxing stories But that's strictly dedicated to Amazon. And as far as I know, there's no way for you to highlight that as a merchant. You basically pay for it and you really hope that this influencer has the algorithm working in their favor to give you what you need because you paid them for that service. That's kind of how that works.
0: Absolutely. You touched on Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you say it's a, it's a woman owned business and there's five people in the business,
1: mm-hmm.
0: five women in the business. So
1: five, five very awesome, strong women doing various things in the business. Yeah.
0: That's what I meant to say. Yes, exactly yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> right. Of course. So you're, you guys are all wearing a lot of hats. You went, y'all are either wearing y'all. a lot of y'all are wearing a lot of hats yep. or you mentioned that for certain parts, like in the Amazon side, I think there's a, there's a big firm that you work with. So, yep. How do you decide what stays in house and what you're hiring out to maybe a freelancer or a firm when it comes to, I guess, the marketing or the digital marketing side of your business?
1: Great question. Um, That's where I'm going to put my CFO hat on. So it's, it's a matter of how much does that cost us to keep this internally? Do I need to hire a body full-time part-time? Am I better served by not strapping our resources by moving this to a third party or a consultant. Um, and in, in the re, in, in the world of social media, it, we found through numbers crunching, um, and my side of the house that it, it wasn't prudent for us to do it. It was way too much work running a social media is so intricate. I don't, I don't think people understand how intricate it is from responding to DMS responding to posts, um, advertising and campaign tying and collaborations and partnerships, like all of that stuff, it's a full-time deal. So we were like, you know what? The numbers don't show that this is feasible for us. And I think it would destroy our little team. We're going to, we're going to put that out. We're going to outsource that. Um, And Amazon is its own beast. Like I've said, we have two sides of the Amazon house. We have a one P which is the Amazon vendor central side. And we have the three P which is the FBA merchant seller side. So we hired a firm that handles both sides of the house for us because it's just it's a Herculean effort to handle Amazon. So that was done more or less of, yeah, we could hire somebody, but I don't think they would be happy. And it's not a steady form of dealing with Amazon issues. So it's better served being being outsourced.
0: Are there other areas in the business that you work? So I, I'm looking at, I don't know if the firm that does your Amazon stuff did these graphics, uh, but I see them on Shopify as well. So maybe it's somebody else, but you have great creative with Thank your brand, like you. really, really so nice creative. Firm.
1: Um, I it's it's funny. I worked with a large social media group, and one of the women that did a collaboration with us, I I kind of struck up a friendship with her, and she left right before COVID to kind of do her own thing. And I was like, hey. <laughs> Would you be willing to sit down and craft what it would look like for us to do business together? I want to be part of your new venture. I think it's a great fit. Her photography and her videos and just her storytelling through her imagery is amazing. So we, we worked with her, we followed her from a larger firm into her own firm and have been with her for four or five years now. And I love her and her group, amazing stuff. And thank you for recognizing that um, there's a lot of blood and sweat that goes into making it look as good as it does. It's not easy.
0: Yeah, you touched on it too—the storytelling component of it. Yes, it's it's high quality pictures and video, but there's the storytelling behind it. I know that's the the secret sauce, and and it's right on the money. So thank you,
1: appreciate that.
0: uh, Last question I want to touch on here is—you know—I'm I'm very good at looking at a niche and looking at competitors and looking at like what's saturated and what's not yeah. me just pulling up some quick charts seem like in 2008 or again, in 2017, looks like there was a big, big turnaround, but it seemed like there was a great deal less competition back then as well for certain keywords. I, yeah. I know it's, 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 I wouldn't want to put some random, some random factory with no quality controls and call that we're not comparing apples to apples. They're right. not like a true competitor in that sense, but they are competing on certain keywords. And for people that don't know the difference, uh, they are they are stealing some sales. Um, yep. How how have you how have you as a as a as a company um, decided to combat this?
1: So it's it's really hard, and and to be honest, our number one competitor we we don't look at anybody that's making a paper bag or a reusable bag. Our number one
0: Ziploc is there.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's our competitor. I want to compete with plastic. Um, and they realized that we were, we had knocked off, uh, if you care, which is another brand that started out with paper bags, we knocked them off our first year off the shelf in whole foods. We were floored. We were like, oh, okay, this is real. This is happening. This is a consumer demand. So the competition is fierce, but like I said, our certifications, um, and our actual do goodiness um, gets us further with buyers in these grocery stores than a brand that just maybe does one or two certifications and they don't have the, the gooiness that lunchkins has. Um, Ziploc came into that with their own little version of a Brown paper bag. Fine. Um, it's not certified compostable. There are a lot of things that are different. So with regard to like keywords and algorithms, we make sure that we stand out with respect to it's not greenwashing. I mean, these are legit certifications. We use those. Um, and those are our prop in the keyword game to stay ahead of our competition. But I honestly, our, our goal is to knock plastic off the shelf or limit the amount of shelf space plastic has. That's our goal. It's an, it's an egregious goal. I know it. And it gives us me gray hairs and a headache, but that's where I want to be in five years.
0: I, 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 abso- I absolutely love it. Um... I want to be respectful of your time and start bringing this to a close. Um, <clears throat> there's a little like, I'm a little nervous almost because I want to follow up. I almost want to hold your feet to the fire here and get a yes now because when it comes to manufacturing and I, I know uh, I, I know y'all are doing a really good job in the stores, which mm-hmm. I, I danced around that because I really wanted to touch on the e-com stuff. So getting you on the show again, to talk about the strategies for the stores and the manufacturing, I would love that. And I know the listeners would really love it. So
1: it's a date. Uh, I would love to do I it. I love it.
0: I love it. I might even have my wife on, on the next one. Cause she loves your brand. So like,
1: awesome. I love it. Yeah. women okay. power.
0: <laughs> yes. Women power. So, uh, before letting you go, uh, People are going to want to get a hold of you and they're probably going to want to ask questions that are unrelated to how, how do I buy my, my sandwich bag? It's some of the yep. strategy you dropped. Yep. Do you have a best contact that somebody would be able to use to get a hold of you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it an email?
1: Uh, LinkedIn is great. Or um, if they just email customer service at lunchkins.com, the customer service lady and I are on Zoom a hundred thousand times a day. Like I literally don't think we sleep she makes sure that all messages get through to me. So that that might even be better because my LinkedIn, I'm so busy by the time I go to sleep at night, working 16 hour days that I often don't get to check for, you know, a couple days later. So
0: sure. And that's customer service at, 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 at lunchkins.com. At lunchkins okay. Yep. And the final one, and yes. I'm on the edge of my seat here is what oh, is boy. your favorite book and why?
1: Um, because I have a potty mouth. <laughs> uh I'm going to say I and I do. Uh you were very PG.
0: Works, you were very PG, let me tell you. I,
1: it was hard. It was a struggle. Um The Cursing Mommy was probably one of the best and funniest books that I was ever given. And, and and it came obviously someone gave it to me when I gave birth to my only child, but um it's fitting and it's a great book and it's really funny and I highly recommend it.
0: I I'm definitely going to be buying it. Um uh, uh I, I, w- I want to say that you are the coolest CFO I have ever met, oh, and I really appreciate your time. I appreciate all the the golden nuggets you shared of uh, your your journey, Lunch Skins, and Shopify and Amazon. I'm hoping people got a, a lot out of it, and, and I look forward to uh, having you on the show again soon. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Thank you, Carlos. I appreciate it. You take care, and happy holidays.